Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's your host, Anthony Pagnotta, with you guys as always. And today, we go back to the late 2000s. We bring in a guy that was a part of the coaching staff under Butch Davis. It is Charlie Williams, the wide receivers coach for the Tar Heels from 2007 to 2011, and he is joining us here on the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. Charlie, how's it going, man? Uh, I'm so glad that uh, you were able to stop by with us. You know, you were a guy that was an extremely crucial coach uh, to some of uh, a lot of the fans who were probably listening here's favorite teams uh, back in the mid to late uh, 2000s. So how's it going today, man? Real good. Real good day today. And uh, so, you know, let's start by talking, you know, a little bit about your time in Chapel Hill. And, you know, you come on to the staff in 2007, uh, along with head coach Butch Davis at the time. And, you know, the first thing that we have to ask is, you know, what attracted you to Chapel Hill? What attracted you to the opportunity to coach with Coach Davis and and coach a a group of guys that would eventually become uh, one of the most storied in in Tar Heel uh, football history at the wide receiver position? Well, I had the uh, chance to work with Coach Davis uh, before uh, at the University of Miami, and uh, we spent a couple, a couple of years there together. And when this opportunity came about, uh, I was in Arizona, and uh, we talked about getting the band back together again, and and uh, we did, and we had a good run. So one of the guys that was just so crucial in, in making this happen during that time was Akeem Nix. You know, you come in with him in 2007, and uh, he turns out to be one of those guys that just takes off after you come in and, and start coaching him. What was so special about Akeem Nix, and, and what do you think made him such a dynamic player for your offense there? Well, Akeem was here when I when I arrived on the scene, and... Um, the thing about uh, Akeem, he had big hands, 
Uh, he loved the game. All he wanted to do was uh, help our team win week after week, every Saturday. And, and he did do that with the help of a couple other guys, but he did do that. So, you know, when, you know, you, you end up having the success that you did with him and then you move on and you coach a guy in Dwight Jones um, who maybe doesn't get quite as much love as Hakeem does, but he was really able to take a jump, especially during that 2010 season. You know, wh- what went into him taking that jump in his career? And, and from your standpoint as a coach, you know, what were the things that allowed him to take that jump and be that successful um, um, the last couple of years uh, in his time at Carolina? Well, let me start by saying this. Um, Dwight would learn from uh, one a great player in the time, uh, in, the, in the name of Brandon Tate. And they went to the same high school. And that's how we were uh, able to get uh, uh, Dwight. But Brandon, Brandon was with Hakeem, Brandon Hakeem, and uh, Brooks Foster, those guys, they were outstanding. And when when Dwight came in, Dwight just watched how they did their, how they had their business, followed their lead. And uh, once they left, it was it was his time. And I tell you what, uh, he made the best of his time. Yeah, he of course goes on to uh, make the NFL, and um, you know what, what a great career that he had overall. If you look at him, you know all time in terms of stats, still in the top five in a lot of receiving categories. But you know, you talked about some of the other guys that were in that group with you know guys like Brandon Tate, Brooks Foster. You also had Greg Little and uh, a guy in Eric Highsmith who eventually becomes one of those guys in that same category as someone like Dwight Jones and. and even Hakeem Nix. How important were those guys? Maybe the guys that didn't garner the big-time headlines, but the guys that were sort of the second and third options at wide receiver, how important was that to the success of your the, the offense and, and especially your wide receiving core? Well, you know, these guys were a special group of guys because they, uh, they were unselfish. You know, everybody wants the football, as we all know. Everybody wants to score touchdowns, and uh, the, the guys that you just mentioned, uh, we can go on and on talking about each and every one of them. Uh, Brandon Tate, like I said, was not only a, a, an outstanding wide receiver, but he was uh, a return specialist. Uh, I, I believe he would have went high in the draft had he not got his uh, knee uh, blown out in the Notre Dame game. Uh, when you talk about uh, Brooks Foster, Brooks Foster, he just did all the little things. Uh, he was a complimentary receiver. So when they decide they're going to double team a king, then Brandon, Brandon Tate and then Brooks Foster were taking care of the business. When that group left, then you have you have uh, Eric Highsmith, nicknamed Mookie. Uh, you had Greg Little, and then you had Dwight. And so you know. We had guys that uh, that they were all special in their own way, and they learned from the guys ahead of them, and that's what made that group so so special. You know, these guys grew up wanting to go to to, to come to uh, Carolina, and uh, and I'm not just talking about come to Carolina to 
to play the sport that they truly love, but they came to Carolina to get a, get a great education as well. Well, Coach, you know, I the one thing that I hate to ask about this, you know, time period in Toriel football is that 2011 season or 2010 into the 2011 season, mainly that 2010 season. And, you know, the thing that I always want to ask, and I think from your perspective, because you are the first coach that I've talked to um, from that staff, you know, the guys, most people, when you ask them about that time period, they thought that there was something special that was building there. From a coaching staff perspective, prior to everything that goes on with the NCAA, prior to, you know, all the suspensions that take place, what was the thought around you guys as a coaching staff and, and, and just the, the feel around the program as a whole as to what this group could accomplish at that time? Was was this heading towards where a lot of Tar Heel fans thought? Um, where, where some people thought that this could be a team competing uh, for not only ACC championships, but potentially national championships? Yes, you know, uh, I, I know that, uh, that the, the recruiting process was going really well. Everything was moving in the right direction. Um, we, we felt like we could have been there for a, a good while, and we felt like uh, we were going to do some special things there while we were there. And unfortunately, uh, we had some issues in in, in our program, and and uh, and that's what uh, pretty much did our our tenure then, because we. We, feel, we really believe that we could have been there for a good, a good long time. Well, we're definitely along with you on that, Coach, especially as people that, you know, got attached to those teams. And, I mean, you still had, you know, plenty of success there. You know, I have to ask you really quick, you know, that 2011 season, you get to coach under Everett Withers. And, you know, that was still a pretty – it was definitely an awkward season, to say the least, with the firing of of Coach Davis beforehand. But, you know, what what did – how how did you – were you guys able to kind of rally the troops that season and and still have a, a pretty positive season where you guys were able to make a bowl game and win seven games overall. Yes, uh, you know, when, when Coach Withers took over, you know, we, we continued to uh, just stress the fact that uh, we're going to still go out here and play good, good football. We're going to do what we're, we're taught to do, both on and off the field, and, uh, and, and try to get this job done. And we did. We, uh, like you said, we made a tour bowl game, which was uh, a major accomplishment with all the things that went on. So uh, making it to a bowl game was huge. Uh, we didn't do care so well in the bowl game when we, when we did get there, but mm-hmm. we, we we worked our butt off to get there. And these guys still believed in us as coaches, even though they knew that we probably weren't going to be their, their coaches in the next year. Yeah, it was definitely not the way that you wanted to finish up that season, but I think a lot of Tario fans know, you know, just how special it was for that team to have gotten to that point with everything that was going on. But let's, you know, go back. Let's let's go a little bit further back to your time before you get to Chapel Hill. And uh, as you mentioned, you know, you work with Coach Davis at Miami, but then after that, you go to the NFL and you get a chance to be a part of Tony Dungy's staff in Tampa. 
you know, how special was it for you to be able to work on, uh, under Tony Dungy as a part of that staff, which basically helped build what would eventually become a Super Bowl team for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers? Well, you know, uh, that was a, an amazing deal because, you know, uh, a couple of things happened then. Number one, number one, uh, Dennis Erickson left to, uh, to, to the pros and uh, when, when Butch came in to take the job, he did not have to, to uh, retain because I step were left. There was four of us left. He did not have to retain any of us, but he did. And, you know, that uh, that program became a special program with Butch after I left, because as you know, they, they, they went to back-to-back national championship games. Mm-hmm. But, but for myself, you know, it was an opportunity to get to, uh, get to the National Football League that I had no idea was going to happen when it happened and as fast as it happened. You know, if I was happy in Miami and, and loving every minute of it. I, I, I felt like we had high hopes uh, going there and it turned out that way because like I said, two national championships they went to. They won one and lost one, but they went to two. Mm-hmm. So uh, the, the, the NFL coaching with Coach Dungy was unbelievable. It was totally unbelievable. Uh, I'll always remember it because, you know, it was a great bunch of guys that uh, that wanted to win and just wanted to play play well, play hard for Coach Dutch and, and the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. And as you well know, they won a, a, a championship, a Super Bowl championship the year after we got let go, but they, they mission was accomplished. Well, yeah, and look, I think everybody in the NFL community kind of knows that you guys were an extremely important part of building uh, what that team eventually become. And the fa- and and the fact that they were able to take home that championship was in large part because of what you guys did there the years prior. Well, then you get the opportunity after Carolina, you get the opportunity to go and coach in Indianapolis. And eventually, you know, one of the storylines is you get reunited with the Keem Knicks, but you get to coach some of the best wide receivers here in recent memory. Um, T.Y. Hilton, a guy that's kind of on the back end of his career, but boy, he had a really special career um, early on. And, and and then, of course, a guy that is going to be a Hall of Famer at some point in Reggie Wayne. You know, what was that experience like to be able to go up there and coach at Indianapolis, in Indianapolis and to be able to do it for a guy that I think everybody in the football community should have a ton of respect for in Chuck Pagano? No question whatsoever. You know, uh, my first coaching job coming out of college, I went to Colorado State, and uh, Chuck's dad was a head high school coach in Boulder, Colorado. And that was when I first met Chuck. And uh, we worked together at Miami, and then he's the one that made the call uh, about getting the band back together again when uh, when Bush got the Carolina job. And uh, I have so much respect for, for Chuck Pagano and, and the way he handled the team. Uh, first of all, the way he battled from from uh, a serious, serious illness mm-hmm. that uh, was unbelievable. Just the way he handled the whole, 
the whole entire deal. And, and as you well know, it was it was, it could have went the other way. Mm-hmm. But uh, to have a chance to be with Reggie Wayne, Reggie Wayne's a pro, and like you said, uh, he's going to be a Hall of Famer sometime soon here. And uh, just his leadership, his knowledge of the game, and, and the way he approached practice, it rubbed off on every single guy in our room. And T.Y. Hilton followed Reggie around and listened and learned from Reggie. And T.Y. Hilton became who he is today. Uh, it was special watching those two guys uh, work together every day on the practice field in the meeting rooms. Uh, we, we Towards the end of uh, my time at, at Indy, we uh, had the opportunity to, to reunite with uh, Akeem Nix. And wow. That was fun. That was special. Uh, the only thing that I don't have that he has is he has a Super Bowl ring. Yeah. But still to this day, uh, we try to try to stay in touch the best we can with all of them, with all the guys uh, in Carolina. And, and uh, But more importantly, with that group of guys uh, in Indy. Yeah, and, and, and one of the things, you know, really quickly just on Hakeem, you know, you get reunited with him and it was sort of, you know, I, I wouldn't say unfortunate circumstances, but this was a guy that, as, as, a, as a New York Giant fan, as a guy that saw him play for my team and, and, and win a couple, you know, a, a Super Bowl ring, you know, it looked like his career was heading towards being one of those top receivers in the NFL. You know, you got him with you there late in your tenure at Indianapolis and you know I think the thing that a lot of people just kind of want to know about his NFL career is how special could it have been for him if injuries don't derail uh, his NFL career you know I really believe he could have been playing for a long time you know he had like I said the first thing when you asked me about the team I like to remember is those hands those hands if the ball was anywhere near him in, in his uh, range he's going to make the catch you know, um, quick story. Mm-hmm. Junior year, we're playing in the bowl game against Pitt. He catches a ball really behind his back, and it's like uh, he's holding it until he can get his other hand around to tuck the ball away. And right then, you know, I mean, he's made acrobatic catches all through the time that we were together, but that kid. That, that was it for his uh, college career. He's moving on to the National Football League. And had he not uh, had the injuries he had, he probably would have still been a giant for the for the most of his career instead of moving on from there. Yeah, no, that, that catch, one of the most memorable in Tar Heel history, especially recent Tar Heel history, for sure. Um, and, and I think you're right. I think, you know, just from watching him during that time, I really thought not only because, you know, I, I was a guy that had followed him at Carolina, but I, I, I thought this was the next guy for the Giants at wide receiver. I, I honestly saw a lot of resemblance to Amani Toomer, and it's it's one of those big what-ifs in, in New York Giants history, especially with 
with where the uh, the franchise is, unfortunately, these days. But uh, it's definitely one of those things that you think about a lot as a Giants fan. Well, hey, you know, after your time in, in Indianapolis, Charlie, you move on and, um, you know, you go to uh, Texas for a year. Then you uh, follow Coach uh, Charlie Strong to South Florida. But now, you know, you're, you're in a little bit of a different role and you're currently actually on the road, you know, working through that role. So uh, what, what is that role that you're in now currently at the University of Arkansas under uh, head coach Sam Pittman, one of the guys that I think is, uh, you know, most college football fans would say is surprising just about all of us with the success that he's had so far. Well, as you well know, uh, we work together on Butcher staff in uh, North Carolina. Mm-hmm. And uh, I, I'm, right now I'm working in the recruiting department for Coach Pittman. Uh, we're having a good time. Uh, we're trying to build this team uh, the way he wants to be built so that we can continue to compete uh, in the SEC, which is the, the toughest college uh, division. I mean, however you want to say it. Mm-hmm. And uh, um, I'm really, like I said, we're, we're trying to uh, continue to bring in good recruits, good student athletes that, that love the game and uh, want to get a good education. Well, hey, we'll let you get back to that. You guys are building something pretty special out there uh, at Arkansas under Coach Pittman. And uh, know that you know there are a lot of us that are definitely pulling for you guys. I definitely feel like you guys have a chance to have a pretty big year this year. So uh, enjoy the ride. And uh, we were so glad that we were able to talk to you. It was my pleasure. Thank you very much. And uh, have a good day. All right. You too, Coach Williams. Goodbye now. The NBA playoff action is nonstop at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NBA. This week, new customers can bet just $5 on any team to win and get $150 in free bets if they do. Looking to turn a small bet into a big day, a big payday during the NBA playoffs with DraftKings same game parlays, you can do just that. Create your own parlay by combining multiple bets like which team will win, total threes made, total rebounds, and more, and boom, you have a shot at an even bigger payout. Right now, all customers can place a same-game parlay with three or more legs and get a free bet back up to $25 if one leg doesn't hit. Download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPNXX Bet $5 on any NBA team to win their game and get $150 in free bets if they do. That's promo code TBPN only at DraftKings Sportsbook. Minimum age and eligibility restrictions do apply. See show notes for details. All right, so we want to thank Coach Williams for stopping by with us today. So great to be able to talk to him as he is currently uh, on the road uh, out recruiting for Arkansas as they look to continue to try to build what Sam Pittman has going on there currently. Um, Really quick story about how we did end up tracking Coach Williams down. There was a former player that did play for Carolina back in the early 70s named Charlie Williams. We reached out to him thinking that he may have been that guy guy. Um, And unfortunately, uh, it did not turn out to be the former player, but fortunately it did turn out to be a guy that did coach on Coach Davis's staff at Carolina. And boy, that that was a really interesting interview, a really cool look at those teams back in 
the mid 2000s team, you know, in the late 2000s, I should say, into the early 2010s. And it's teams that I think all of us, you know, kind of look at and wonder what if. Primarily those teams in the last two years, maybe even three years, there were some what-if moments for them. And, uh, you know, Coach Williams, uh, one of the most successful coaches on that staff, no doubt. Not just because of, you know, where he has gone throughout his career after and even prior to Carolina, but you look at the amount of guys that were on that team. And we talked about it a little bit with them there. But, I mean, you talk about just some of the most underrated receivers at Carolina when you go through and talk about the all-time greats. I mean, look, of course you talk about Hakeem Nix, but I feel like, you know, Dwight Jones and and Eric Highsmith, those are two guys that are remembered by a lot of Torio fans. But I don't think that people remember just how great they are. And if you go back and you look at where they rank in the all-time, you know, records, record books, wide receiver, you can start to get a little bit of an understanding. But... If you were somebody that watched those guys during that time, you remember just how special they were to those teams. And those were two guys that I think just showed how Coach Williams was able to have such a a big impact on that wide receiving core. And then, you know, as he mentioned, guys that uh, I, you know, a lot of Toriel football fans, people that are fully invested 365 days a year, remember and love for their contributions. I mean, Brandon Tate was a guy that went on and played in the NFL, and he's right. I think if he doesn't end up getting injured, he probably has, uh, you know, a a longer career at the NFL level. But you, you also have a guy like Brooks Foster, who you know, a lot of Torrio fans probably don't look at in the same light as some of those other guys that we were talking about, but you probably should because he did a lot of really good things for Carolina. And then, of course, another guy that a lot of people, you know, because of what ended up happening um, with the NCAA, have pretty much cast off uh, is Greg Little, and that's a guy that I think people just have to remember how special he was. He came in as a running back and was expected to be a part of that Tar Heel backfield before converting to wide receiver. And that's another guy that, because of the coaching of Coach Williams, who we just talked to, became one of the big contributors for Carolina in those first few seasons under Butch Davis. So we want to thank Coach Williams for stopping by with us. That was tremendous. Really appreciate him. And I hope you guys really enjoyed that as we continue throughout the offseason looking to get more former Tar Heels on. We've been doing it the last couple of years. We've gotten some unbelievable guests that have stopped by with us. And uh, so far this year, we've only gotten two guys, but I think both of them have been well worth it. Ike Oglesby, if you didn't hear that interview, make sure you go check that out. That's two podcast episodes ago so go back to episode 334 and check that one out we would really appreciate it meanwhile head over to the website heeltuffblog.com that's where you can check out some stuff about the current team big time recruiting weekend for carolina going on right now not as big as the one a couple of weekends ago or as the one as uh, at the end of June. But we do have some updates, some guys that have added their names to that final weekend, some guys that have added their names to two weekends from now uh, in terms of official visits. So this is, you know, a big time of year for Carolina on this 2023 recruiting trail. Mac Brown said it in his press conference that the months of May and June were going to be big for Carolina well. 
really the month of June is the biggest for Carolina in this 2023 class. This is the month where Carolina has to do damage. And they've gotten two commitments uh, you know, from the month of May. Can they find a way to build off of that and carry it over into the month of June here? We will see and we'll have you covered over on the website on HeelToughBlog.com. Also, Josh has some stuff up right now. As you guys know, the deadline to pull out of the NBA draft was just a few days ago, back on June 1st. Carolina did not get Matthew Mayer, who did pull out of the draft, but he ended up committing to Illinois. That means that Carolina is now potentially looking at a guy like Pete Nance. Josh has an article up on the website that you guys can check out uh, that breaks down him pulling out of the draft and what he could potentially bring to Carolina if he was uh, to give the Tar Heels a serious look. And there are reports that Carolina is going to take a serious run at him. So that could be the solution, even though it's not Matthew Mayer, who a lot of people felt fit exactly what Carolina was looking looking for Pete Nance is a guy that at the universe at the University of Northwestern had a lot of success and is someone that I definitely think Tario fans should be excited about if they end up landing him we'll have you covered on that front as well over on the website heeltoughblog.com one place to check out everything, including the podcast, uh, you know, editions as well as the video editions of the podcast. Whenever those do return, and we are working on that because of a possible new setup that we'll tell you guys about a little bit more as we get uh, a little bit closer. Uh, it's all in one place. Heel Tough, uh, Heel Tough Blog on Facebook. At uh, Heel Tough Blog is the handle, but search Heel Tough Blog in the search bar and it'll bring you there as well. And also, make sure you find us on Twitter at Heel Tough Blog. You can also find my personal page at HTB Anthony, where I tweet out everything uh, revolving around Tar Heel football, any news, every, anything like that. And also, former players and all that kind of stuff uh, that are in the NFL, any of that news, it's all on there and you can also follow josh at htb josh as well as our recruiting guy at hack zubber 2 who will be back here on the podcast shortly uh to recap all of this stuff that's going on uh on the Tar Heel football recruiting side of things so that wraps it up for this edition of the podcast want to thank charlie williams for stopping by with us want to thank you guys for listening and as always go Tar Heels.